BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. And of course, it is Holy Week and a momentous day tomorrow with the anticipated arrest of former President Trump. I noticed that Fox has a, a camera trained on the West Palm International Airport, where in about three hours he will depart, head to New York City for what's anticipated to be a 2.15 tomorrow arraignment. And as if that's not enough, you've got March Madness uh, wrapping up tonight. So a heck of a lot going on. And we've got you covered for all of the above. Let me backtrack. So on Friday, I knew that my Friday poll question was going to ask whether the prosecution of Donald Trump by Alvin Bragg was political. But it it actually didn't hit me until 10 minutes before I went on air. And there's nothing seat of the pants about this program. I, I will tell you that it may sound seat of the pants, but it is not seat of the pants. Even when I sound ridiculous, I've thought through those things that I'm about to say. In this instance, 10 minutes before hitting the air, it hit me like, wait a minute. What if there were an alternate reality and Donald Trump had accepted defeat at the hands of Joe Biden? And when the mic got hot on Friday, uh, this was a little seat of the pants ish. I, I just started to run with it and ask people to envision a world where Trump had lost in the exact same margin that he had to Biden, but that he gracefully accepted it, that there never was a January 6th, that on January 20, he was at the inauguration, that he and Melania then boarded Marine One. They did the traditional loop around the mall. I mean, I, I remember... I remember standing on a Washington, D.C. rooftop looking down at the scene of the Trump inauguration. So that would have been January 20 of 2017. And minutes after it had concluded, like looking up into the sky and and there went the Obamas. In Marine One, giving them a final look-see at Washington and then headed to Andrew. A very uh, emotional moment, no matter who's in that helicopter. Just the the passing of the baton. Uh, Imagine if Trump and Melania did that loop and then flew to Mar-a-Lago, and it was a whole you know different Donald Trump post-presidency where he was the elder statesman and people came to kiss the ring and he was being paid for big-money speeches, but he was golfing and enjoying his life and not running. Would he be facing indictment today at the hands of the Manhattan District Attorney? We had a great conversation about it here on Friday. And then 
I had time to catch my breath and really flesh out my thoughts. And with the support of my CNN crew, we did a very well-produced version of that at the outset of my Saturday program. It got an enormous reaction. Would Donald Trump have been indicted by Alvin Bragg if Trump were not running? Ready for this? 52,460 people voted on Saturday. I think that's a record. I know I keep saying that. I really ought to figure out what are the benchmarks, but it's a hell of a lot of people. It's a football stadium. It's a football stadium. 79.94% said yes. And I say, hell no. Friday, I had a very similar poll here in connection with the POTUS program. I flat out asked, is the prosecution political? 73.47% said no. So, similar, right? 79% and change saying he'd still be facing indictment. 73% and change saying it is not political. That was my unscientific polling at Smirconish.com. Because remember, my polling, you know, we, we it's first come, first serve. Like whoever comes in and wants to vote, they get to vote. We're not waiting, waiting, W-E-I-G-H-T. We're not waiting based on demographic groups. Ah, but ABC and Ipsos are scientific. And they did something very similar with their scientific approach, and got a totally different result, a story that lends itself to two completely different headlines, both of which would be accurate. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. 
Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. The headline that ABC used says plurality say Trump should have been charged. But you could have written a different headline, which would be plurality say it's political and both would have come from the same data set. What? In other words, people believe that it's political and they're okay with that. I'm not okay with that. Are you okay with that? A plurality, this is from the ABC write-up. A plurality of Americans think former President Donald Trump should have been charged by a Manhattan grand jury with a history-making indictment, yet a near equal amount believe that the charges against him are politically motivated. According to the poll, 45% think that Trump should have been charged with a crime in this case. And when you break it down by party affiliation, no surprise, 9 in 10 Democrats, 88%, 9 in 10 Democrats say, yes, Trump should have been charged by the Manhattan DA in connection with the payment to Stormy Daniels. Republicans, 62%. 6 in 10 say, no, he should not have been charged. The independents are split. Two in five say that he should have been charged. 32% say he shouldn't have been. 27% say they don't know. And yet at the very same time, a plurality of Americans, remember I said 45% said, yes, he should have been charged by the Manhattan DA. 47% say the charges against Trump are politically motivated. Well, combine those findings, and I can't tell you based on that which was published by ABC and Ipsos. I can't tell you of you know, how many fall technically into both categories, but I think I'm safe in assuming, if I combine the findings, that many Americans think it is political and they're fine with that. They're just fine with that. And that, to me, is the scariest headline of all, that you could say, yes, it's political. And I don't mean political I don't mean political in the sense that it emanates from the 2016 election and therefore, of course, it's political. No, no, no. I mean that there's an axe to be grind here by Alvin Bragg against Donald Trump. And that's largely the motivation for it, where the FEC and the Southern District of New York both took a pass on this. And we spoke on Friday about how the the partisan Republicans, you know, the, the those with their, their own eye on the White House, they feel obliged. They're rallying around Donald Trump on this case. I don't put Jeb Bush in that category. I mean, I mean Jeb is done. Jeb's not running for president. He's not Ron DeSantis. He's not, not Mike Pompeo. He's not Mike Pence. And maybe that's why I took note of his tweet over the weekend. Bragg's predecessor didn't take up the case. The Justice Department didn't take up the case. Bragg first said he would not take up the case. This is very political, not a matter of justice. In this case, let the jury be the voters. I agree with Jeb Bush. Not something not something that I would say about the other potential charges against Donald Trump. But in this case, it is what I think. But I was obviously in the distinct minority. I mean, on the on the day that Smirconish.com breaks 50,000 voters, there were 20 percent, 20 percent of us who said, no, he would not be charged if he'd gone quietly into that night. Now, 
here's another interesting poll result. What does it mean for the election? What does it mean for at least the nomination? You, you might really be surprised by this. I can't say that I am, but it's interesting to see it borne out in the numbers. So I'm leaving ABC and Ipsos now, and I'm going to Yahoo News and YouGov. They say that this is the first poll conducted post-indictment. It shows that Trump is surging past Ron DeSantis. In the previous Yahoo YouGov survey conducted less than two weeks ago, it was Trump 47, DeSantis 39, eight percentage point lead. Okay, And by the way, as recently as February, it was DeSantis who was ahead of Trump in this poll, 45-41. So February, DeSantis was in the lead by four. Two weeks ago, Trump is now up by eight. In the brand new post-indictment poll, Donald Trump is lapping. Ron DeSantis by 26 points, 57-39 in a one-on-one contest. What accounts for that? What accounts for that, I think, is the position of the most partisan Republicans that this is not a case that should have been brought. I do not think this would be playing itself out if Jack Smith and the Mar-a-Lago documents had gone first. I also, I read so much over the weekend, but I read some things that I agree with speculating that this makes the other charges more likely. That could be a poll question for tomorrow. Does the fact that Alvin Bragg brought this case make it more likely, less likely, or no impact on the other prosecutions? I think it makes it more likely. I think to the extent that Fonnie Willis had any hesitancy about being the first you know, district attorney to bring a case against a former president of the United States like she's no longer she's no longer in that category. The ice has been broken. I don't know that it matters much to the feds, but perhaps it does. There's another major development today that relates to all of this. And of course, the stories that I reference are posted at Smirconish.com. If I say to you, here's an ABC headline and here's the ABC data You can rest assured it's posted at my website to make it nice and easy. If you're ever wondering, like, where is he getting this? Hit the website. Same thing with that that Ipsos, uh, uh, pardon me, the uh, YouGov uh, survey that I referenced. I think we had that posted yesterday. But here's another story that I'm circling for you to make sure this is a part of your your read-in today. And I can't control the paywall. It's from the Washington Post. They've got a big story, an exclusive story. The headline is as follows. Justice Department said to have more evidence of possible Trump obstruction at Mar-a-Lago. And I'll read to you from it, but here for me is the takeaway. It seems that they may have Trump on surveillance video rummaging through some of those boxes after the subpoena had been issued and with the knowledge now that Some of the information he was looking at, he still didn't hand over, which is really amazing. I mean, that would be a really significant enhancement to the federal case for obstruction of justice. The lead of the story says this Justice Department and FBI investigators have amassed fresh evidence pointing to possible obstruction by former President Trump in the investigation into top secret documents found at his Mar-a-Lago home, according to people familiar with the matter. 
The additional evidence comes as investigators have used emails, text messages from a former Trump aide to help understand key moments last year. The new details highlight the degree to which special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the potential mishandling of hundreds of classified national security papers at Trump's Florida home and private club have come into focus on the obstruction elements of the case. What does that mean? Whether the former president took or directed actions to impede government efforts to collect all of the sensitive records. In the classified documents case, the federal investigators have gathered new and significant evidence that after the subpoena was delivered, Trump looked through the contents of some of the boxes of documents in his home, apparently out of a desire to keep certain things in his possession, the people familiar with the investigation said. Investigators now suspect, based on witness statements, security camera footage, and other documentary evidence that boxes including classified materials were moved from a Mar-a-Lago storage area after the subpoena was served and that Trump personally examined at least some of those boxes. While the Trump team returned some documents with classified markings in response to the subpoena, a later FBI search found more than 100 additional classified items that had not been turned over. This is huge. This is huge. Because if it's true, it would remove from his defense the idea that he didn't know. I mean, doesn't it sound like they've got surveillance footage showing Trump himself looking through the boxes, withholding things that now when the search warrant is executed, the feds are able to see this is what he held. This is what he kept. That's really big. That is really, really big. Um, And it reinforces my view that that's the case. That is the most tomorrow. Tomorrow's the sideshow. Tomorrow is the sideshow. Him flying up today, 215 arraignment tomorrow. His plan to deliver remarks at Mar-a-Lago at 815 tomorrow night. By the way, there could be a gag order in this case. Wouldn't that be an interesting showdown if Trump is told by the judge in New York that he cannot comment on the sum and substance of this? And he's already invited people to uh, uh, to a Mar-a-Lago event at eight o'clock tomorrow night. Back to the Mar-a-Lago obstruction issue. Remember, I've been calling attention to something, and that is. Jack Smith, in my opinion, makes a rather binary decision. Did Trump break the law and can we prove it? And now he makes a recommendation to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Must Garland accept Smith's recommendation? Anthony Coley is a former spokesman for the Justice Department for Merrick Garland. He was a guest of mine on CNN on uh, Saturday. And we we covered some ground with Ellie Honig, but our conversation, mine and Anthony Coley's conversation, continued after the program ended and by email back and forth. Me asking him what I just laid out for you. Will Garland necessarily go along with whatever Smith recommends? Because this, this Jack Smith is a hard charger. There's no doubt in my mind. 
He's going to recommend that Donald Trump be indicted for obstruction of justice. Well, what does Garland do? What factors must he take into consideration? What exactly is prosecutorial discretion? And Anthony Coley will be here in the second hour of today's program because the conversation he and I were having by email was just too good to keep among ourselves. And and I will leave it to him to, to lay out his view as to whether he believes that Garland will go along with whatever Smith comes up with. So that's the situation, ladies and gentlemen. The the bigger story, I know, I know, I know, and I'm going to be focused on it as well tomorrow. The big story, of of course, is, is and getting all the attention is the, the idea that Donald Trump is going to get in a suburban tomorrow and drive down Fifth Avenue to be fingerprinted and mugshotted. What? But I think the bigger legal peril that he faces, born out, and I didn't need the Washington Post revelation today. I think that the bigger uh, story is going to be what happens in the Mar-a-Lago docks. And if, final thing, if I can just try and bring all this full circle, if the Smith case had been the first case, I don't think the polling data would show Trump, you know, quote unquote, lapping Ron DeSantis. I don't think you would have seen all of those Republicans rally to Donald Trump's side. This was an easy one. This is a payment to a porn star. This was a layup to prove your bona fides with the MAGA base. But if it had been Smith first, I think it would be a different situation. I think it would be a different situation. And if I'm the feds, I'm thinking, ah, now the water in the court of public opinion has been muddied. Because the perception among some is going to be, this is all bogus. My God, they're even going after him for paying off a porn star. But they have no one, the feds, but themselves to blame. What the hell has taken so long? What has taken so long? They should have had the Mar-a-Lago case. Okay, I get it. The January 6th case is, you know, sedition, complicated. Wow, can you really prove that? The Mar-a-Lago document case, what has taken them so long? It's their fault that the weaker case gets to the courthouse first doesn't mean it'll be the first to be tried. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. 
Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. And in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Anthony Coley was a great guest of mine on CNN on Saturday. He's the former chief spokesperson for the Department of Justice, meaning he's a former senior advisor to Attorney General Merrick Garland. He's not an attorney. He didn't legally advise Garland, but did advise Garland on public engagement. And after the program ended, during the course of the weekend, we were going back and forth because I was asking about a specific aspect of the Jack Smith investigation, namely whether Merrick Garland will be obliged to accept whatever the recommendation might come from the special counsel. And the more we went back and forth, the more I thought, this is too good to keep to myself. Let me see if he's willing to come on the radio program on Monday. And here he is. Anthony, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Michael, thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed our conversation in your alternative universe on Saturday <laughs> with Ellie Honig. It was really, really fun. Thanks for having me on that. And then for having so, me again on the show. T- tell us about yourself before we move forward and talk about the subject matter. How, how did you come to, to justice and for how long were you there? Thank you. I was there for two years, which is right around the average amount of time for uh, the chief spokesman uh, at DOJ uh, in in most administrations. Uh, I've been in Washington, Michael, for uh, a little more than two decades. I grew up professionally on Capitol Hill. Um, I was comms director, you'll remember, for Ted Kennedy. I was his uh, final communications director. I also worked for Zell Miller. Do you remember Senator Miller uh, of Georgia, the uh, conservative well, Democrat? I worked you, for you Zell know, Miller twice. Wait a minute. You know what I'm going to say, and 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 I Tell I me. hope this is I hope this is fair to the man. But when you mention Zell Miller to me, all I can think of is a duel. The, the duel between the Chris duel. Matthews, right? <laughs> I remember that. So here's what's so interesting. I uh, I had a wonderful experience working for Zell Miller. I worked for him twice. I left in the spring of 2004 to go uh, work on the Kerry campaign, believe it or not, right before he announced that he would be chairman of Democrats for Bush. And so I will tell you a quick story about that. He privately told me that I should do it. Um, that it was good for a young person to get presidential campaign experience. That's what he told me privately. Publicly, he told the Associated Press, and I quote, I have always said I've learned the most from the campaigns I lost. And I think every young political operative like Anthony should have that experience. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. I remember, no. I remember being in Madison Square Garden, I yeah. guess it would have been 04 because it was the Bush reelection and watching Zell Miller speak that whole week that he had the, the confrontation with with Chris Matthews. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, that's one of the reasons why I left I, Senator Miller's office. I personally told I, I really enjoyed working working with him. His heart was in the right place. But I told a friend of mine I would give him my vote. I would give him a kidney, but I wouldn't give him my vote. Uh, and when you have that realization, uh, it's, it's time to move on. So I left uh, Senator Kennedy's office. I worked for Kerry. Uh, he lost, and Senator Miller was right. I did learn a lot from that campaign. Uh, I also worked, fast forward, I worked for Senator John Corzine, both in the Senate. I ran communications for the state of New Jersey. Wow. Um, uh, and I uh, worked on the uh, in the Obama Treasury Department um, during right after the financial crisis. So I've been around this 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 town for a while. And interestingly enough, Michael, I did not know Merrick Garland before this period of time. Anita Dunn called me during the transition period and asked me. Um, she said, "I know you. You told me you don't want to." come inside the administration this time, uh, but would you think about it? And I told her that if the president-elect decide, decided to pick somebody like Merrick Garland, I would have a conversation with that person. That was late December of 2020. And then fast forward a bit, January 6th happened. Uh, I told you I grew up professionally on the Hill. I live on Capitol Hill right now. I'm calling you from my basement apartment on the Hill. And so January 6th really impacted me. And you'll recall this on the 7th. That is when uh, then President-elect Biden made the announcement of Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, et cetera, to lead the Justice Department. And I knew then that when I had that conversation with Merrick Garland, that if he asked me to do it, I would absolutely do it. And so it was it was a uh, exhilarating and exhausting two years. You've had a good run. What is it about Merrick Garland that those of us who've never been in his company don't understand? What you see is what you get. He has this level of authenticity that comes through, I think, on television that is just as real in a person, in private, um, that, that, that you all see. He is incredibly thorough. He's incredibly... Um, detail-oriented, and he expects the best from everyone who works who works for him. He's just, he's generally, I'm from North Carolina, so I will use these phrases from time to time. Michael, he's, he's, he's salt of the earth. He's just genuinely a good man, and his, his heart is in the right place. So we really didn't have a chance to flesh it out on television, and then we started going back and forth on email, and I was asking you about whether he would be obligated to carry out whatever the recommendation might be from special counsel Jack Smith. What what can you say on that issue in terms of your reading of the regs and your knowledge of the department? Yeah, I will start by making an admission, which you made on email over the weekend, which is that the regs are not as clear as I think they could be. Uh, and so reasonable people can have reasonably different um, reads on, on, on the regs. How this particular Justice Department reads it is as follows. I just don't think that Merrick Garland is going to act as judge or jury in either of Jack Smith's um, investigations. 
he delegated both of these investigations to Jack. He took him out of the normal chain of command to ensure both uh, a level of independence and accountability. But Michael, I also think too, he wanted to reassure the American people that the investigations had no partisan political uh, oversight um, or and that they were indisputably being guided by the facts and the law. And on this point, I will make this observation. You know this because um, you, you're a lawyer. You've, you've now read the regs. People, your viewers may not realize, but Jack is not subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of anybody in the Justice Department, not Merrick Garland, not Lisa Monaco, not uh, who is the Deputy Attorney General, not uh, the head of the Criminal Division or the head of the, na uh, of the National Security Division. I think the question that you and I uh, were going back and forth on was this notion of a charging decision. And the way this Justice Department reads the regs is that unless the special counsel does something that is not consistent with the norms and practices of the department, um, the attorney general will respect that decision, whatever it is, and I think allow it to stand. See, I've, I've been approaching it thinking that prosecutorial discretion doesn't enter the picture with Jack Smith. It's it's like he's he's been brought in for a very specific mission. Go figure out if Donald Trump in either of these fact patterns broke the law and can it be proven? And I expect, I fully expect, I'm going to keep January 6th just off to the side because I think it's more complicated. I fully expect that he comes back and says to the AG that Donald Trump broke the law relative to Mar-a-Lago and obstruction of justice. And by, by the way, Anthony, and you know this, I said this before today's Washington Post story, the banner mm -hmm. story, I'm looking at the headline, Justice Department said to have more evidence of possible Trump obstruction, and it could include videotape of him going through those cartons. But where I don't think Jack Smith gets to exercise discretion about whether this is in the best interest of the country and the fact that there's now a political campaign going on and what did Biden do and what did Pence do? I don't think any of that matters to Jack Smith. I do right. think it enters the equation for Merrick Garland. Hmm. Well, uh, two quick observations. First on the Washington Post story, I would just caution all of your listeners to this, and this is based on my two years at DOJ, we were not allowed, none of the spokesmen at DOJ were allowed to engage with any reporter on anything related to grand jury information. So uh, I know for a fact that certain articles that were um, printed um, related to um, anything related to grand jury stuff, I know for a fact that some of them were wrong or some of them didn't have important nuance. Um, and so I would just urge everyone to, I don't know the specifics of the details in the Washington Post story, but more generally, I would just encourage everyone to not always absolutely take everything at face value that they read in the newspaper about any of these investigations that have to do with grand jury information. That's the first point. Um, on the second point, I would just ask a simple question. If the charging decision was going to ultimately reside with the attorney general anyway, then why go through the hassle of having a special counsel, right? Um, I mean, that's just another way of, of, of thinking about it. And I think 
the attorney generals, I went back, Michael, in preparation for this conversation, I went back to uh, read the attorney general's opening uh, statement when he announced Jack in November. And um, I think his, um, his, his expectation of how he expected this uh, investigation uh, to be handled and how decisions would be made is clear. If I have a moment, Michael, I want to just read you just one sentence that stuck out to me yeah, this yeah. morning. Please. He says, this is Merrick Garland, quote, as special counsel, he, Jack, will exercise independent prosecutorial judgment to decide where the charges should be brought. And you're stressing to decide. To decide. Yep. I guess I guess what I would say, Anthony, is that at the time that A.G. Garland appoints Jack Smith, he doesn't know that the now president has documents in Wilmington next to the Camaro or that Mike Pence had documents in Indiana. That's the kind of wrinkle that I think Garland has to consider, but not Jack Smith. See, I see. This is where, and you you're a lawyer, so I defer to your expertise here. No, no, I don't have. I have no expertise in this. None. I, I, my cards are on the table. <laughs> so I think each of these investigations are going to be considered independently, based on the facts and the law, and nothing else. And that's, I think, that's what we should all want. By the way, I'm uh, when I say thank you to Anthony Coley, I'm I'm going to read aloud that one part that you shared with me from the regs um, at, at the risk of having my audience's eyes glaze over and people drive off the road all over the country, which we hope doesn't happen. But what what do you want to tell them about the section that you forwarded to me? So um, there is a part of the special counsel regs that allows the attorney general to, after review, um, tell the special counsel not to pursue a, a, a certain action. And again, I'm not going to read it as well, but um, the only, the way that would happen is if the special counsel did something that was uh, inappropriate or unwarranted, uh, basically something that was inconsistent with the norms and practices of the department. So who Jack, this is where who Jack Smith is really matters. He is a by the book prosecutor. He is aggressive. He, um, but he's also by the book. And at the end of the day, he wouldn't have received this appointment from Merrick Garland. It's in my view, uh, were he not a by the book prosecutor and intended to operate in the best traditions of the justice department. I, I guess just a final thought, if I might, the reason that I have this hesitancy as to whether well, of course, the AG goes along with whatever the special counsel says is, is I'm still mindful of the the Mueller probe on obstruction and collusion, where he comes back and yeah. says there was no collusion, but he doesn't make a finding as to obstruction. And when you read it carefully, you come to realize that he, Mueller, wasn't comfortable in saying that Trump had obstructed because he knows Trump can't be indicted while he's president. And I then was a critic saying, well, wait a minute, Mr. Mueller, why did you ever take the gig if in the end you were unwilling to close the deal and you knew that all along? Does any of that make sense to you? No, it makes sense to me. I think my takeaway from this, um, 
I really just despise how they rolled out that whole report. Um, I think it was done in a way to um, muddy the war, um, muddy the waters, and what the special counsel findings were, um, and that's just not something I think this um, department um, will. Well, you're talking uh, about Bill would, Barr. Would yeah, 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 yeah. Anthony, one last thought. First of all, thank you for being so gracious with your time. I've enjoyed getting to know you. I just want to say that I think that the conversation you and I are having is far more important than the sideshow that we're going to see in Manhattan tomorrow. I think this, this is the real deal. Absolutely it is. And uh, I thank you for giving some uh, time and attention to it. Um, and I know you... Uh, you know, you like sometimes to deal in alternative universes, uh, but but uh, the reality before us right now and dealing with um, this special counsel investigation is the is the real deal. Um, I think there was some recent reporting again this morning that suggested that even some Secret Service agents have been subpoenaed to appear before the uh, grand jury um, on Friday. So there, there's a lot going on here based on media reports that they're to be believed. And uh, I think you're absolutely right to focus some time and attention on, on what's happening here. To be continued. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Michael. Talk to you later, buddy. That's Anthony Coley, ladies and gentlemen, former spokesperson for the Department of Justice. Ah, man, I feel like we're learning lots. Learning lots. Um, now I'm going to read you a paragraph And then I I will reopen the telephone lines. Okay, you get it. You're sophisticated. You're POTUS listeners. So the issue here is Jack Smith is full speed ahead as special counsel looking at a potential obstruction claim for the handling of the Mar-a-Lago documents. I did not know what what Anthony just told me that breaking news today is that Secret Service agents are going to be brought in to testify as soon as Friday. Uh, I've already shared with you the Washington Post reporting. Let me now narrow your focus on whether Merrick Garland must accept and act upon Jack Smith's recommendation. This is the paragraph that Anthony first brought to my attention from the regs. Quote, the special counsel shall not be subject to the day-to-day supervision of any official of the department. However, the attorney general may request that the special counsel provide an explanation for any investigative or prosecutorial step and may, after review, conclude the action is so inappropriate or unwarranted under established departmental practices that it should not be pursued. In conducting that review, the attorney general will give great weight to the views of the special counsel. If the attorney general concludes that a proposed action by a special counsel should not be pursued, the attorney general shall notify the Congress. So to to Anthony's reading of this, uh, it would suggest that unless the action is so inappropriate or unwarranted, meaning acting, the prosecutorial step, unless the prosecutorial step would be so inappropriate or so unwarranted, then the AG has to go along. Or to apply it more specifically to these facts, an unless prosecuting Donald Trump for obstruction would be so inappropriate based on the facts, so unwarranted based on the department practices, then he's got to go ahead with it.
I don't think it's that clear. And he acknowledged at the outset that it's it's not crystal clear. But you you understand how nuance matters in this. What do you think? If Jack Smith comes back with a recommendation to Merrick Garland that Trump broke the law at Mar-a-Lago and that it can be proven, will the AG necessarily go along with it? And as time clicks off the clock, we're now in the midst of this presidential race. Asa Hutchinson is now getting into the race. You know, the further you're into the cycle, the more political it makes it feel, doesn't it? The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide, and in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S dot com.